Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hey there, thank you ever so much for tuning into the Inclusive Growth Podcast. I'm Toby Milden and I am joined by Lynn and Babs. And I met Lynn and Babs because I was looking for a legal practice to help me in my own business. I needed to create um, a services agreement template and a data sharing agreement template. And so I reached out to Lynn and Babs. And it wasn't until we kind of got talking that actually there's a kind of a diversity and inclusion story behind why they set up their legal practice. So my first observation was that when I went on their uh, About Me page on their website, I noticed that it was a firm that was made up of women. And I got really interested into, you know, why that was the case. And also having you know, spoken to other organizations within the legal profession, I know that there are, you know, a number of diversity and inclusion concerns uh, within the legal sector itself. So anyway, it got me thinking about why that was the case and what Lynn and Babs had been doing to uh, set up their own practice. So anyway, to cut a long story short, um, after we got all the legal bits out of the way that I was looking for help with, we then had a really great conversation about diversity and inclusion within their practice, but also within the the legal profession at large. So um, Lynn and Babs, it's Lovely to to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, um, Lynn, maybe I can come to you first. Could you just um, tell me a bit more about your yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a solicitor qualified in Scotland. I'm about... Ooh, enough qualified to forget how many years now, 14, 15 years, I think. And I have always been based in Edinburgh, kind of working predominantly since I joined Babs with the kind of major, more traditional law firms, um, the kind of bigger UK firms. And I have been with them pretty much my entire career and then when Babs um, set up the firm kind of one or two years ago she's um, kind of you know we had met whilst um, at those firms and she had suggested to me that I perhaps you know should come and work with her because she was starting out on this really amazing new exciting adventure and took me a little while to kind of kind of leave my comfort zone but uh, certainly the best thing (laughs) I ever did and we've been working together for uh, about a year now. Brilliant. And, and Babs, can you share with us a bit more about your your background and, and why you set up um, yeah. your business? Yeah, absolutely. I'd just like to to confirm there that it took her a full year to decide <laughs> yeah, to did, come yeah. across. Having known me at that point for probably seven years, it took her a year <laughs> to trust me and make the leap. But we got there in the end. And um, yeah, so to give you a bit of background about me, and um, I, as Lynn said trained in kind of the big firms, qualified into the big firms. Lynn was actually my teacher. She was my supervisor (laughs) um, when I was a trainee. And that's how we met and became friends. And then obviously, again, eight years later, colleagues. But yeah, I I started in those uh, the kind of bigger firms and worked there for a while after I qualified. I actually originally qualified into financial services and regulation, which is really kind of niche and bespoke. Um, It's a lot more narrow than the work I do now. 
Um, but I worked there. I, I then worked in in house as an in house solicitor um, within a company. So I worked within an investment management company for a while. Came back out, tried the whole private practice game again. Thought that maybe it had changed a bit. Realised it hadn't changed at all, and left that and thought I don't really know, don't really know what I want to do. But I know that it's not in that kind of big law firm world. So um, I freelanced for a bit. I was working mainly for small businesses and startups through various kind of online legal firms. Did that for a few years and then realized, hey, this is something I could actually do by myself. Mm. And if I do it by myself, there's lots of things I'd like to change about how it's it's kind of being done in the big law firm world and also like the kind of online law firm worlds, et cetera, as well. And I thought, let's just give this a go, really. Um, but when I set up myself, I certainly didn't expect it to go as well as it has. I didn't expect to be having to phone Lynn saying, We've, we've so much work. Would you please come and help? And <laughs> um, I really set it up because I kind of wanted to work for myself and by myself and thought I might have one other person who wouldn't be a lawyer. And that was fine. Um, mm. But over the last couple of years, it's gone really, really well. And um, things have progressed very nicely. Um, and we now have a team of five. And yeah, it's going well that's brilliant and if I can stick with you Babs um yeah you know what what was your experience working in the legal sector particularly with with those big companies that you worked with so everyone talks about kind of lawyers working long stressful hours and I have to say maybe with some different areas of law aside that is kind of consistent, regardless of whether you're in a big law firm, a small law firm, or a tiny little law firm like us. Your job is stressful. It's long hours. Client demands can 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 be outside the nine to five, and and they can be quite stressful. Having said that, it's a very rewarding and fulfilling job because of that. Um, you're kind of in it with the client all the time, and it's it's a bit of an adrenaline rush, really. Yeah. Um. So so that's kind of the same, through, regardless of of where you are. Where it's different is definitely culture, ethos, um, and and kind of how people are treated at various stages in the game and kind of based on their backgrounds. So when I was in the bigger firms, what I find, I'm sure Lynn can add to this as well, and she'll probably have a slightly different experience because she has a slightly different background from me. But I definitely found that there was a females will do certain jobs and males will do other jobs. Um, mm. Whether that is kind of running out and getting the tea in the middle of a client meeting, you know, that the, the male trainee would never have been asked to do, but the female trainee would. Um, or things like pay rises coming a lot easier to men, it seemed, than women. Yeah. And, and then I guess just a bit of kind of cultural issues. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, if if... If a woman's stressed, she's emotional. If a if a man's stressed, he's passionate. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so that 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 kind of thing is is um yeah a bit of what I experienced, and I'm sure sure and certain that I'm not alone in that. Lynn, how about you? What what was your experience like working in the field? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I would certainly agree with everything that Babs just said. I've got, like Babs said, kind of maybe a slightly different perspective because I'm, I'm, you know, a working mum. I've got three young kids. Um, so my oldest is ten and my youngest is three. So I've kind of gone through the last decade of trying to juggle, kind of, you know, working and and being a mum at the same time, and that's definitely not easy. And I, and I would say that the legal profession is still kind of one of those whereby. If you decide to have children, it's kind of assumed that you've 
almost given up on any kind of, you know, aspirations for progressing, you know, career wise. And certainly, like Bab said, like for everyone, it's long hours. And this is obviously pre-COVID, which changed everything. But there was always a kind of expectation of, you know, the presenteeism, you know, you know, at least now mm. because of, you know, where what Babs and I are doing, yes, we're, I'm not going to lie, we work pretty awful hours quite a lot of the time, but we're at home so we can, you know, if I need to take one of my children to the dentist at two o'clock in the afternoon, I can do that. Whereas it was almost that kind of like guilty feeling if you ever had to do anything, if you ever had to step away from your desk for 10 minutes to do anything like that, it was kind of, oh, I could feel the eyes watching me, you know, leave the room, kind of like, like open the door and walk out. And you could just kind of thought, oh my God, it was awful. Whereas I would certainly not say I'm working any less, you know, but I don't, feel guilty about the fact that I can say I just need to nip out for half an hour because my child's got a doctor's appointment you know that kind of thing like that's still definitely very prevalent in the kind of more traditional firms I would say which just makes it so much harder for women you know because they just look like they're kind of doing a kind of you know they're not giving you know everything their full 100% to the job which is kind of what's expected yeah and that that those feelings of guilt i've come across having talked to other people as well it's you know it's it's a really common um, experience that people feel so babs can you just share with us i suppose i think you've touched on this a bit already but you know what was it that made you decide to set up your own business and and how did you want to do business differently Oh, there were a few factors, really. Um, from the kind of client perspective, I just didn't like the way traditional law firms treated clients if they didn't have their name on a massive office in London or New York and have millions of pounds in the bank. Um, you were kind of not important to the bigger firms. Um, and also, you know, everything we do is, is fixed fee. We're very transparent on costs. That's obviously something that isn't very prevalent in the bigger firms. And I And I feel like even if smaller clients can be taken seriously and treated well by law firms they often can't even really afford to pay for the privilege so I wanted to make that more accessible um, and and, and I think that's really what we've done I, I also think there's this awful stereotype with lawyers that we've all heard about we all know about that we're all just money grabbers and we speak in jargon and you know, we're, we're just intimidating and know-it-alls and all these awful things. Um, and I wanted to be the exact opposite from that. And it was actually, it actually stemmed from a comment when I worked in-house that I, I heard one of the business people make to another one of the business people. And they said, the good thing about Babs is she just tells me what I'm meant to do when I'm meant to do it. And I understand what she's saying. He yeah. says, and we've not had a lawyer who I've, that I've understood what they're saying before. And I thought that seems to be like, my superpower everyone has a superpower in their profession mine seems to be make everything plain and simple and so I thought this is a kind of really good way to 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 make the most of that on the other side I also wanted my own flexibility freedom I I couldn't bear the presenteeism and and sitting at the desk and feeling bad because I wanted to get up at nine o'clock at night like how dare I I, it wasn't that I was shirking long hours because I actually quite enjoy as strange as it is, quite enjoy working the longer hours. Um, but I wanted to be doing it for a purpose that meant something um, and not because I was terrified of the partner I was working for mm. or because I felt like I might be judged if I didn't do it. Um, I think it's it's 
it's a poor show to say that people aren't working hard if they're not chained to their desk. I think everybody just does it in different ways. Um, and I wanted to do it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, obviously, you know, it, it's great that you've set up your own practice. And, you know, I similarly, I, I, I left big companies and decided to set up my own diversity and inclusion consultancy. And I think partly uh, along similar lines, you know, I've worked in organisations where I haven't necessarily felt included or that I belonged because of the disability that I've got. And that was certainly one of the motivating factors of leaving an organisation and setting up my own business. And a lot of disabled people do set up their own businesses as well, because there's all sorts of challenges and barriers of getting it into employment or progressing within employment. I suppose the flip side to it is that those organisations that you were working for have really lost out on having your great talent within the business. Like It's good for you to set up your own business, but for those yeah. organisations, they've really lost out as well, haven't they? Of course they have, Toby. There was somebody, somebody in, a, um, in one of the departments I worked with, with the, the, the firm that I started out with, made a comment that came through in my review that I still remember. I mean, it was like 10 years ago now. And I still remember it distinctly. And it was, she's too happy for oh. this environment. <laughs> she's too happy for this environment. And and honestly, I would walk into office and I'd be like, morning. And people would honestly look at you like you were really strange. And um, and I thought, my God, if I have to change my personality in order yeah. to do well in this firm, then I just don't think this firm is meant for me. <laughs> no, that's... Uh... Well, that makes me angry. And, and <laughs> it's like, well, two things come to mind. One, one um, I do a quiz with some of my clients. And one of the questions is, you know, do you feel like you have to change your personality to fit in on a scale? Yeah. Um, and the other thing I remember when I went in one of my first jobs after university, actually, in my in my appraisal, I was described as being too nice. And I was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> what's, wrong, what's wrong with being nice in the yeah. business world? Like, I don't know. I don't, maybe they had this expectation that I was going to be some dickhead, like like you see on, um, <laughs> you know, like Suits, the TV show. Like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. To, like, walk around in your power suit being a twat. It's like. <laughs> well, I was actually talking to to someone about this today, and it's 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 kind of when you're a client and you're deciding which lawyer you should work with, it, it really should be like the, the kind of tone that represents your business. Because mm. yeah, we could all walk around being dickheads and being absolute sharks of lawyers. But those are often also the lawyers that like can't get a contract over the line for a client because they're too busy arguing about where the semicolon should be. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah. I mean, things like that. I'm just like, I've, I, I just couldn't spend my life in that. It's a very hyper masculine world mm -hmm. that I just didn't really belong in. Yeah. So it's like you know, culturally, it's it's really jarring. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Lynn, maybe I can come to you now. Um, yeah. Because we obviously, um, you know, Bab set up the business with I think where particularly gender balance and diversity was quite a focus but now that the business is is growing and developing I know that it's I suppose brought into view other types of diversity to consider in the organization so you know what what are your thoughts around other aspects of diversity as the business is is blossoming is growing yeah I think well one thing I, I would probably say is that 
we we are um, a firm of all women, but I don't I don't think that was ever Babs's plan. I don't think that was ever our, you know it was it seems to have just kind of been a happy accident to be honest. You know I think just kind of going back to kind of the struggles of, that that a lot of women do have in in bigger law firms is that I think kind of you know you see where that there's definitely still that glass ceiling for women, and I think that's why you know we decided to kind of start working together because we're kind of annoyed about that and want to try and change it. So yeah, we're not, we're not kind of, you know, man bashing or anything like we're not just kind of like, we will never ever have a male solicitor. But I think, yeah, I think it's really, it's really important in in terms of, of the business growing and flourishing that, you know, that, that we, we, that we do become diverse. I mean, it's great that we're, in terms of location and things like that, there's no barriers there either. You know, we're all, you know, Babs is in Ireland, I'm in Scotland, our other solicitor is in London. So, you know, we're kind of all over the place. So there's things like that that are making mm. making things a lot easier to kind of branch out and have no restrictions in terms of, you know, anyone that, you know, that, that, that could join the team if we were looking for extra help, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's one of the benefits of being a remote first organisation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, accessing yep, exactly. talent is so much easier. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then I guess it, it does it does mean that everything is a little bit more accessible to people if we have working mums, if we have working dads. Um, yeah. Yeah. There is a lot more flexibility, a lot more flexibility there. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. I mean, Babs, what's your kind of future vision around? developing a a diverse workforce as you as your business grows oh, so you should ask Glenn rather than me because she's much more ambitious I've discovered in last week than I am but uh, we've been talking about our plans for the future and I'm like oh I'm quite tired actually let's just see where we are and Lynn's like let's do this this and this and um, but I guess it's, it's what Lynn said like we this was never the it was never it was the intention to make things much easier and more comfortable and accessible for women or people who have you know, it could be men, but, you know, looking after kids, looking after households, that kind of thing. Mm. It has just, as Lynn said, a kind of happy surprise being that it's, it's all women. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with her. The, 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 prob- the problem that we have is that we are a small firm. There's five of us. We are looking to grow, according to Lynn. We are looking to grow. But no, we are looking to grow. And we will look to grow. And, and then absolutely diversity needs to be a consideration and not just gender, different backgrounds. I mean, we have a, an intern that's with us for 12 weeks just now. And that's a programme that we participated in that basically allows young people with law degrees that don't, that, you know, they come from maybe quite deprived backgrounds where they don't necessarily have the same opportunities to go and work with a firm to bolster their CV, which, you know, at each stage of the game means they're being pushed pushed further and further down the line. So um, we have a student in just now that's come from that programme. We're looking to do more of those kind of things going forward. And then, yeah, as I said, you know, we will be hiring probably within the next year or so. And yeah, definitely need to be more diverse in terms of, you know, culture, background, race, gender, difficulties, not having difficulties, all of those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as a small business, it's really great that you that you're getting involved in those schemes. And like my smallest client employs like 10 people and they're a change management consultancy company. But one thing that we've realized is that you don't need to be a big multinational company 
to have a diversity and inclusion plan in place and you don't have to have like excessively massive budgets either in fact sometimes it's it's easier <laughs> as a small business uh yeah. you know, a, a growing yeah. business as well just to do some really simple things yeah. to yeah. be attractive and attract diverse talent and and actually you don't also you don't have to have like really long-winded recruitment processes like you know, rifle with, but you know, systemic bias. You can actually do some really cool stuff as a small business to, to you know, get, get diverse talent into the business. So, yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. I just, I think you know, we in in every part of the business, not just hiring, are able to be a lot more flexible and and kind of agile than bigger firms. But also sometimes, mm. sometimes think, and maybe this is generalizing, but bigger firms spend an awful lot of money to say that they're inclusive. To, yeah. and they, they you know they spend thousands on a policy to tick a yeah. box and yeah it's it's not it's not really what we're trying to do here yeah there's yeah. a lot of window dressing going on yeah um yeah you know, the amount of companies that change their logo to be the lgbt rainbow colors during yeah. uh you know pride during, month. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the reality for staff is that it's still not particularly inclusive of those lgbt staff um, yeah. that's something yeah. that you know we call the rhetoric gap and it's it's we actually had that conversation in a podcast interview with Sally Bucknell who is um yeah. head of diversity and inclusion at EY and uh yeah so it's that's an episode worth worth checking out so before we yeah. sign off for this episode uh a question for both of you which everybody gets asked this question I can't let you off the hook is <laughs> um what does inclusive growth mean to you and um Babs I'll come to you first um, yeah, I guess for, for me, inclusive growth is kind of growing the company as we have been, but probably broadening our horizons a little. Um, there's definitely been a case of like, we've been so desperate to hire in the past. We've so needed somebody so quickly that it's been the kind of the first first good person that's come along, really, or people that we've known as well, which ultimately yeah. means that people yep. are going to come from the same background as mm. we've seen the same gender. So we probably need to be a bit more more forward thinking and strategic in how we're recruiting going forward to make sure that we have a like a kind of diverse pool of, of people that we're that we're choosing from. Um things are definitely gonna need to be a bit more formalized and things like that going forward. We are a very young company, but I do recognise that. Um and yeah, I think just making continuing to make and keep the business kind of accessible for everyone regardless of whether they want to work long hours or whether they don't whether they have kids whether they don't like just allowing it to be, to be flexible for people you know as we're going forward um Lynn would you agree yeah I would 100% agree with all of that I think just like Babs said I mean I think at the start when when Babs asked me to join her it was very much of you know she started this business on her own and it was her baby and she needed somebody that she could trust and she already knew to help her. And I was very mm. privileged that, that, that she <laughs> chose me to be that person. But I think now that we've got things a bit more under control and we've grown a bit more, just like Bab said, we can now kind of look more forward and look into kind of, you know, new pools of, of talent and people that aren't just kind of, have you worked with that person? Are they okay? You know, kind of that, that kind of thing. So it kind of, it opens up a lot more doors for us. So I think that's really important to tap into all, all of those pools that we've not used before 
which mm-hmm. I think we have a great opportunity to do being, you know, a kind of remote company, just like we touched on before, you know, there's no, there's no limitations there for yeah. us, you know, in terms of who they are, where they're based, you know, all those kind of things. So um, I think, I think we've got, you know, a great opportunity to tap into a very wide variety. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, I've really enjoyed sitting down with you today and and chatting about diversity and inclusion um, and your experiences within the legal profession and setting up your own legal practice. Um, so thank you for taking time out of your busy day to 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 have that That's discussion cool. with me. Um, before welcome. you go, if the person listening to us wants to learn more about your business, they mainly even need some legal help. Um, where, where should they go and get that information? So, yeah, just head over to our website, which is um, jamesonlaw.legal, and you'll find all the information you need to there. There's a little kind of bio about Babs and I and our, our other lawyer, Laura, and all the kind of services we offer, and just a bit more about the kind of nature of our business, how we provide the services, how we, you know, charge and everything like that. Um, we've also got, you know, a, a general info email address that you'll find the details for on our website where you can get in touch with us. Any questions whatsoever, one of us will get back to you with any information that you need brilliant well then and babs thanks ever so much for your time today thank you and uh yeah good luck with growing your business and uh you know hopefully your team will get larger and thanks uh, very much hope so (laughs) continue delivering a great service to your clients so thanks very much it's been uh, great to have a chat with you thank you you too thank you thanks toby thanks so much for having us toby really appreciate it You're very welcome. Um, And thank you for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. Hopefully you've enjoyed my conversation with Babs and Lynn today. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Inclusive Growth Show, which will be coming up very soon. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk